Well, as you uh, probably, many of you know, we have been going through Acts, and we actually have three more uh, Sundays left, and we'll have finished the book of Acts, and then we'll be kicking off a new series. I'm very excited about that, and we'll be covering that in small groups, in our homes, as we meet throughout the weeks, uh, every other week. So I encourage you to get ready to uh, connect with others and be able to go deep as we re-engage our lives, refresh and renew our lives in the purposes of Jesus Christ. Um, but we are gearing up towards that. We are in Acts chapter 22, and we're going to start, actually, I'm going to give you a little bit of a prologue here. Jason wrapped up uh, uh, last week where Paul goes into Jerusalem, and they just freak out. There's this pandemonium. They, as he shared, you know, they thought maybe he was this Egyptian assassin. Others are just getting whipped up into a frenzy, and... Um, and so Paul says, here, let me speak to you. And so he, he says, hey, guys, let me speak to you. And he begins to speak to them in Hebrew. And so they're listening. And this is what he says. This is Paul speaking to the, to the big crowd. When I had returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple, I fell into a trance and saw Jesus saying to me, make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly because they will not accept your testimony about me. And I said, Lord, they themselves know that in one synagogue after another, I imprisoned and beat those who believed in you. And when the blood of Stephen, your witness, was being shed, I myself was standing by and approving and watching over the garments of those who killed him. And he said to me, meaning Jesus, go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. So Paul is telling this crowd, guys, I'm here because Jesus appeared to me. He rose from the dead, and I'm here to tell you about the kingdom. That's why I'm here. I'm not an Egyptian assassin. I'm not trying to stir up trouble. I'm here because Christ is risen, and this is great news. And in fact, he sent me back here to tell you about this. And I'm, I'm the very one that was zealous, actually, to kill people of the way. But now I'm here to tell you about the way. So he speaks this to the crowd. In verse 22, it says this, up to this word, they listened to him. But then they raised their voices and they said, away with such a fellow from the earth, for he should not be allowed to live. So at this point, he's saying, look, first of all, Jesus died and then rose again. Secondly, I'm here to tell you about the way. But thirdly, Jesus said, you're not even going to listen, which is pretty uh, bold of Paul to lay this out there, but it's just the truth. So they're, at this point, they're freaking out. They're, how dare you speak these things to us, and how dare you say that God's son himself, which they didn't believe Jesus is his son, um, would, would say this about us. So they're like, you know what? This is heresy, and you deserve to die. And as they were shouting and throwing off their cloaks and flinging dust in the air, that's quite a scene, isn't it? The tribune ordered him to be brought into the barracks saying that he should be examined by flogging. Let's just er, stop right there. Did you catch this? This is the way that, 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 that they examine you, is literally beat the truth out of you. It's like, hey, you're causing trouble. Get over here. Just start beating them. What did you do? Tell us what you did. Aren't you glad that we don't live in that situation? Oh, my goodness. Flog him until they find out what's going on. Yikes. Okay. <coughs> Apparently, you guys weren't that impressed by that, but I was. I'm just glad to be here where I don't get flogged to find out if I'm telling the truth. So they wanted to find out why everyone was shouting against him like this. And, but when they had stretched him out for the whips, then Paul said to the centurion who was standing by, is it lawful for you to flog a man who is a Roman citizen and uncondemned? 
So if you weren't a citizen and you're doing something that looks kind of sketchy, they just tie you down and whip you until you give the answer they think. But if you are a Roman citizen, you have some extra rights. They can't tie you down and whip you until you have a trial. Thank you, Jesus, that we are allowed trial by jury. Thank you, Jesus. Woo. Okay. When the centurion heard this, he went to the tribune and said to him, hey, what are, what are you about to do? This man is a Roman citizen. So the tribune came and said to him, hey, tell me, are you a Roman citizen? And he said, yeah. The tribune answered, I bought this citizenship for a large sum. And Paul said, I'm a citizen by birth. So those who were about to examine him withdrew from him immediately. And the tribune also was afraid, for he realized that Paul was a Roman citizen and he had bound him. So now the tribune's like, oh, shoot, I just broke the law. I could be in some serious trouble. So now he's kind of he's sidestepping a little bit, like, oh, i got to fix this stat. So on the next day, verse 23, uh, or I'm sorry, chapter 3, verse 1. But on the next day, desiring to know the real reason why he was being accused by the Jews, he unbound him and he commanded the chief priests and all the council to meet. And he brought Paul down and he set him before them. And looking intently at the council, Paul said, Brothers, I have lived my life before God in all good conscience up to this day. Which is, I think, a, what's wrong with that? Sounds like a good statement, right? Brothers, I have lived my life in good conscience towards God. He's appealing to them. You guys are doing your best to live in good conscience before God. That's why you're here today is to make sure that I'm on the up and up. And so he's, he's identifying with them. And in that moment, what happens? The high priest Ananias commanded those who stood by him to strike him on the mouth. You shut your filthy mouth. And then Paul said to him, God is going to strike you, you whitewashed wall. That's some hardcore talk right there. Are you sitting to judge me according to the law and yet contrary to the law? You ordered me to be struck? And those who stood by said, would you revile God's high priest? And Paul said, Whoa, I didn't know, brothers, that he was the high priest, for it's written, you shall not speak evil of a ruler of your people. Now, look at the context of this. Paul shows up to share good news with people that they can be saved and live forever, that Jesus is the Christ. A crowd shows up, accuses him like crazy. The powers that be show up, and they're going to beat the truth out of him. He barely escapes that because he shouts out at the last minute, hey, I'm a Roman citizen, please don't whip me. Before the trial, he, he comes here before the high priest, the council, and then the high priest is like, hey, smack his mouth for even talking about what's going on right now, for even defending himself. And then in that moment, can you picture yourself in this moment? Like, this is the height of injustice. Jason talked about this last week, right? This is so unfair what Paul is going through in order to share good news with people. And how many of you know he's there because he wants all men to be saved? He's got great motivations, and yet here's this situation where he's, he's being absolutely treated criminally for something that is really not criminal. This is such a bad situation. And then the high priest, who of all people should know how to be righteous and set a good example, is acting like a punk, and he's like, man, smack his mouth. That guy can't, shouldn't be talking like that. And then Paul says, hey, you whitewashed wall, God's going to strike you. And, and then, but then, in that moment, what happens? They go, he's the high priest. And Paul goes, you know what? You're right. I'm sorry. I didn't realize he was the high priest. In fact, it's written in the law that you and I both know that you should not speak evil of the ruler of your people, meaning God's people. So he 
he actually takes that as a rebuke and repents in the midst of all of this injustice. Do you see this? What an incredible thing. It makes me think about the scripture that says, let your communication be seasoned with salt and profitable for all who hear it. Be ready to give a reason for the hope that you have. We are not supposed to take any opportunity. Just because someone else sins doesn't mean now we're justified to sin. Do you see this? Paul, in the middle of all of this injustice, goes, you know what? I'm sorry. You're right. I didn't realize that. Let me fix that right now. And he, he identifies in that moment with that person, even though everything around him is totally not fair. I mean, how many of us, if we were in that situation, we'd be like, I at least deserve a little rant right now. Like, I at least deserve to really give people a piece of my mind. And if I drop a couple of big feeling words, well, you know what? I'm in the middle of it, and you should just understand that. No, Paul doesn't do that. Why? Why? Because Christ is in him, and he understands the call that he has, that just because someone else is sinning, doesn't mean the bar is now low and we can sin too because we're just going to fight fire with fire. Are you guys with me? And I think this is a say law for us. I think this is a say law for us to understand that it doesn't matter what kind of pressure we're going through. It doesn't matter what the circumstances are. God does call for us to be salt and light. He does call for us to continue to walk in righteousness and mercy and justice and love. And that bar doesn't drop just because no one around us in that moment is doing that. Let's go to verse, uh, uh, chapter 23, verse 6. Now, when Paul perceived that one part were Sadducees, oh, thank you, man. I appreciate that. And the other Pharisees, he cried out in the council, Brothers, I'm a Pharisee, a son of Pharisees. And it is with respect to the hope and the resurrection of the dead that I am on trial. And when he had said this, a dissension arose between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the assembly was divided. For the Sadducees say there is no resurrection, nor angel, nor spirit. But the Pharisees acknowledge them all. And then a great clamor arose, and some of the scribes of the Pharisees' party stood up and contended sharply, We find nothing wrong with this man. What if a spirit or an angel spoke to him? And when the dissension became violent, the tribune, afraid that Paul would be torn to pieces by them, which I just picture that, right? It's like, like one half like that has one arm. They're like, no, we're going to kill him. And the Pharisees are like, no, he believes in the resurrection. He's ours. And Paul's, I don't know. Do you, you guys don't, do you picture that? I picture that. So he said, anyway, let me get back here. He was afraid he'd be torn to pieces by them. And he commanded the soldiers to go down and take him away from among them by force and bring him into the barracks. The following night, the Lord stood by him and said, take courage. In the NIV, it says, be of good cheer. Paul, be of good cheer. For as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, so you must testify also in Rome. Let's pause right there for a minute. Okay, how many of you guys, like, we all have heroes in the Bible, right? And Paul is one of my heroes. I, he's just, the guy is so tenacious. He, I just love him. And I, and I love how smart he is, but how humble he is. I, I just, I really appreciate Paul. And quite honestly, I don't know about you guys, but I probably have a tendency sometimes to assign like superhuman attributes to Paul. 
because he's just is so on it, right? I mean, right? He's, he's, he's on a trip and a snake bites him and he just shakes it off into the fire and angels are talking to him. He's rebuking the, the high priest and repenting. I mean, he just seems like he's got it. He's got it together. And let's just take a minute and think about who Paul is. Like Paul was zealously persecuting the church because he was trying to do the right thing. And then he has a full-on encounter with Jesus who blinds him with the light of his very self. Then he hears from God. He's an audible voice from God. I have not yet heard an audible voice from God. I I hope to do that here on earth. Of course I'm going to see that when he brings the kingdom and creates a new heaven and a new earth. But I'd like to do it on this first earth, right? He's heard the audible voice of God. He's gone into trances and gone into the third heaven and heard unspeakable mysteries that he can't even share with us because they won't be revealed until God brings the kingdom in its fullness. This is who Paul is. This guy has got it on lock. This guy, I I feel like he would be so confident that it wouldn't matter what would happen. He'd just be like, bam, like I was with Jesus. I, I talked to him. I'm good. How many of you might agree with me? Yeah, because he's awesome. But you know what's awesome about this? In the midst of this trial, it says that the Lord stood by him. And he said, take courage. Now, I believe it's totally appropriate, number one, to go ahead and assume that Paul is a human person like us. Are you with me there? Yeah. Okay, good. Then we're reading the same Bible. And here's the thing. Paul needed the encouragement of the Lord in the midst of this time. Yes, he's filled with the Holy Spirit. Yes, he's been with Jesus. Yes, he's heard incredible words from God. Yes, he's been faithful. Yes, he's been strengthened by angels. Yes, he's worked incredible miracles. But you know what Paul needed right then? For the Lord to stand next to him and to say, Paul, be of good cheer. As you have been a witness to Jerusalem, you will now be a witness to Rome. Be encouraged. Take Encourage Paul. And the word of the Lord encouraged Paul. And the presence of the Lord, the Lord stood by him. Paul, you're a good witness and you're going to continue to be a good witness. You know what, saints? We are called to the same ministry to be a witness in Junction City, in Monroe, in Vanita in Springfield, in Eugene, in Lane County, wherever you're called, in Guatemala, South Africa, I can't remember the list, right? We are called to be a witness in the place where God has planted you, where he has called you to be. In fact, the scripture says God himself chooses the places and the seasons where we will be for his glory. And we're here to extend the kindness and the goodness and the reality of Jesus Christ and the kingdom that is within us. And you are divinely and strategically planted exactly where you're supposed to be. Paul is literally in a jail right now in the barracks. He's locked in right now as a witness for God. And Jesus appears to him there beside him and says, Paul... Be of good cheer. 
You're being a great witness. And just like you did a great job in Jerusalem, I'm going to take you and you're going to do a great job in Rome. And I want to say to you, saints, wherever you are right now, Jesus is beside you and you need to hear him say, be of good cheer. You are my witness. Be of good cheer. There was a time recently here that uh, my wife said that she enjoyed me less. I know, where is she? I feel like you should all just look at her and be like, how dare you? Just kidding. Um, so here's the situation. I recently had to have a tooth pulled. Um, one of my molars, this is this rough gig, but I'm going to make this story, this story, I'm going to use some brevity here. So these are new muscles, so pray for me. But I started having some pain in this root canal that I that I had had. It started out as a cavity, and I got it filled, and then it got infected, so I had to get a root canal. And then years later, it got infected again, so I had to get another root canal. And then uh, about, I don't know, several months back, it started bothering me again. I'm like, good night, like a third root canal. And if there's any dentist in the house, you're like, no, that ain't happening, son, which is what I learned. I went in to go get it. I'm like, okay, I know what this is. This is $1,200, and we're going to have to get another root canal. Well, I go in, and the, and the uh, specialist goes, oh, no. He's like, listen, we can do that. And he goes, but this time I'm going to have to go in, like, cut open your jaw, come up from the bottom, like, and do it from in there. And he goes, and at the end of the day, this is your third root canal, which means this thing is very likely in less than a year probably going to crack. So if you want to gamble $1,200, you can do that. But I think what you probably need to do is go get it, get it pulled and get an implant because if you want to have a tooth there uh, because this one's done, son. And I was like, man, come on. And then I was super excited when he told me the price tag for that because I was like, I could go buy a car and just have not one tooth. <laughs> so, I mean, a used car, but even so, I'm like, can't drive that thing. All right, so... So, uh, so the first thing that he did, though, is he's like, well, we got to get this infection out of the way. And so he gave me some antibiotics. And after three days on those antibiotics, now here's the thing. I didn't have any real discomfort until the very last bit. That's what made me go to the dentist. And it started having some discomfort in your mouth. Like you, anybody here had an abscess tooth before, right? You like know that feeling. You're like, oh, no. Oh, Jesus, please. And so I was praying in tongues right away. So I went in. And so he gives me the antibiotics, and within three days, I kid you not, it's like my personality came back. I'm not looking at any of the staff right now. I don't care what you people think. I was fine. But it was like my energy came back. My sense of humor came back. I had this, like, very discerning spirit for the, like, last maybe 14 months. It was just very discerning. I could just tell that a lot of people were being jerks and didn't have sense of humor. And just something was up with me. Like just, right? Is this true, Jason? Something was up. I was just a little off. I wasn't horrible, but I wasn't great either. And I tend to have like limitless energy. And I was sleeping like 12 hours a night and taking naps. Like I do not do that. I sleep like six hours and get up and like bother people in the morning. And that was not happening. And I'm going, what is happening here, Lord? And what had happened, guys is that tooth had been poisoning me for a long time. And so what I had was an infection, a low-level infection spreading through my body. Now, we had a, a brother 
that he almost died from this. You know, you have a tooth that's, po- that's poisoning you. It gets in your bloodstream. It's blood poisoning. goes to your heart. You can have, you could die. This is not a joke. And our friend, he had like permanent heart damage, like lost like 30% of, of his heart. And until Jesus comes and brings the new heaven and a new earth, that dude's, unless he heals him now, but that's a permanent thing. So this was going on in my body, and I didn't realize that I was losing energy. I was losing my sense of joy and humor. I was losing perspective. I was fighting just to get through the day, and I'm wondering, what is going on? Like, I seriously thought, like, man, I need to go get screened or something. Maybe I have, you know, it's always cancer, right? It's like, I did a little WebMD. It's always cancer. WebMD, don't even, if you're going to go to WebMD, just write cancer. It's just whatever it hurts is probably cancer. Thank you, WebMD. So, so what's my point? Anyone want to guess? Because I have no idea. I was just, I just made this up right now. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I believe that there are many of us here right now that need to know that Jesus is standing beside you and that you can be of good cheer. You are in the right place at the right time. But the enemy of your soul does come and he does plant lies, and he does bring an attack upon you. And we we live in the West, so we oftentimes don't think about the fact that this is a spiritual battle. We don't battle against flesh and blood. We battle against principalities and powers in high places. And as I was praying about bringing this message, I felt like the Lord said, remind my people That when you submit yourself to the Lord and you resist the devil, the devil will flee. And I believe there are many of us right now that we have a low-level infection of discouragement that we have not tended to. And we we haven't known, man, I need Jesus to show up and be beside me and release good cheer into that place so that I can regain my joy, so that I can regain my vitality, so that I can regain the, 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 the reality of that I'm in the right place at the right time with the right Lord for the right reasons, and I am to be his witness. And I believe the Lord just wants to deal with that right now. So, so here's what I want to do. You all have the Holy Spirit in you. Okay, you're here because you either want to know Jesus or you do know Jesus. But I want you to just get with one other person, and I want you to just ask him, is there a place that I can pray where Jesus would be with you right now and release courage and good cheer? Is there a space? How can I pray for you right now? I want to bless you. I want to bless you that Jesus himself through me right now would release courage and cheer. You can share as much or as little as you want. You can get with somebody who you're real tight with if you want to go deep. But we're going to just take five minutes right now. I just want you to just, just right now, let's just get with somebody. Just get with somebody and we're going to pray. And I, I pick you, Mark Christensen. I want to pray with you. Will you come to me, though? Because I, I want to do it in front of everyone. I'll get you a mic so you can share with the. I'm just kidding. But I do want to pray with Mark Christensen. The rest of you, grab one other people, one other person. We're going to just take five minutes and we're going to pray that God would bring courage in that place in that place where you need to be of good cheer. Lord, I thank you for the prayers that have gone up right now. I know that in Christ they're already yes and amen. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I speak to every assignment 
that the enemy has planted, every meditation that is not based on the truth and reality of Jesus Christ, be broken off and be cast into the sea in Jesus' name. I call, Father, for your Son, Jesus Christ, to be manifested fully and completely in every heart and mind and spirit and soul right now through your Holy Spirit. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would fill us afresh, that we would have the mind of Christ, that we would reason from the reality of your kingdom, and that we would be present as you, Jesus Christ, as it were, stand beside us saying, be of good cheer. You will be my witness. And Lord, we receive these things in Jesus' name. Amen? All right, so let's, uh, let's finish up the last part of this, uh, this section. When it was day, the Jews made a plot and they bound themselves by an oath neither to eat nor drink until they had killed Paul. And they formed a conspiracy to kill Paul. And what they decided they wanted to do was have the tribune come and move him over. And as they're transporting him, they're going to show up and kill Paul. But Paul's sister's son, so his nephew, hears about the conspiracy, and he goes and tells the tribune what's about to go down. And so what they end up doing is they get two um, whole uh, battalions of soldiers, and they transport Paul to where he's supposed to go in accordance with the word of the Lord. Because what did, what did Jesus just say to Paul? He says, you have been a witness to Jerusalem, and you will be a witness to Rome. And so if this plot, and it's a pretty incredible plot, they had, they had bound themselves by an oath to either eat nor drink till they had killed Paul, and there were 40 of them that put together this conspiracy. These are zealous people that are absolutely going to follow through on what they're, what they're planning to do. But God intervenes and exposes it to Paul's nephew, who then shares it with the leaders, and the leaders protect Paul, and he's then taken to, Her uh, to Herod's praetorium to prepare then to continue with what God said would happen. As you guys recall, when, when speaking of uh, Joseph in the scriptures, it says, and the word tested Joseph until it came to pass. In another place, it says that God's word will not return to him void, having not accomplished that which it was sent to do. You guys, it doesn't matter what the circumstances are. It doesn't matter what the enemy wants to do. It doesn't matter what other people want to do. It doesn't matter. If the Lord says, this is what I'm going to do, then there is nothing that can stop the word of the Lord. There is nothing that can stop the word of the Lord. And I, and I want us to leave with that today. The word of the Lord in your life will come to pass. When you run into obstacles, when you run into frustrations, when you run into circumstances that look like they're the opposite of what the Lord said, then you can know that that word is going to test you until it comes to pass. There might be an obstacle, but you're going to get around it, or you're going to go over it, or under it, or through it, or God's going to blow it up, or somebody else will show up and buy it, or an enemy will steal it, but that obstacle is going to move because the word of the Lord is true in your life, and it can and only come to pass.
So I don't know what you're facing right now, but if you're frustrated right now, if you feel stuck right now, if you don't understand right now, I want you to know that you are in the right place at the right time with the right God, and I want you to stir back up, what was the word of the Lord? What did he say to me? And it's not your job to bring about the word of the Lord. It's your job to stay present with the Lord and say, okay, what do you want me to do right now, Lord? What do you want me to do? And he says, I want you to sit right here. I want you to wait and see what I do. Sometimes he says, I want you to move forward and go do this. Well, then go do it. But what you don't need to do is worry that somehow it's on you to figure that out, just like we saw with Paul. Paul's in the middle of seeking to obey the Lord in each situation, but he needed the encouragement from the Lord in the midst of the situation so that he knew what to do next. You guys, we have the Holy Spirit in us And so wherever you are right now, whatever you're facing right now, I want you to remind yourself, number one, he's with you. And then, Lord, what's the word you gave me? What is it that you said was going to happen? And then you you remind yourself of that. I might might not be writing right now, but the Lord said I was going to write books. So I better start writing right now. Why did I stop? Oh, the Lord said I was going to be an amazing teacher. Father, am I supposed to be taking courses right now so that I can teach well? Did I forget the word? Are you guys with me? The Lord said I was going to be an amazing leader of leaders when I was like seven. I tried to lead people at that point. It did not work out. (laughs) It was a lot of years before I started being a leader of leaders. It's only been in the last few years that that word has come to pass. But in the meantime, that word just kept testing me and calling me and pulling me through like goofy stuff. Some of the best training that I got for being a pastor was when my wife and I did in-home care for Karen's two great uncles. They were 86 and 88. I got some stories. But I'll tell you what, I learned how to serve people by doing in-home care. We did 24-hour in-home care. There's all kind of opportunities to learn how to love people when you're bathing them and feeding them and learning all kind of things you never thought you would learn. But you know what happened? We fell in love with those guys. I can't wait to see George and Gerald when we get to the kingdom. It's going to be awesome. But that was part of my training for here. I, I managed a McDonald's when, when I was 20. I was a McDonald's manager. I'm very proud of that. I got the golden spatula when I went to Hamburger University. I'm not kidding. I did. I was fantastic. And I learned a whole lot about taking care of people and leading. Have you ever tried to pay people as little as possible to work as fast as possible to help people who want the most as they can have as possible in the shortest amount of time as possible for as little as possible? Because I've done that. Stand up. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you because your word is true. And you have given a word to every single person in this room, God. You have given a word from your heart because there is absolute, complete, and total interdependence in your body. And every part of this tribe is needed. There is no one here who does not have a promise over their life and a purpose for how you plan to extend your kingdom in our lives in this time. So, Lord, I ask that you would stir those words up, God. And I pray, Father, not that you would remove the the obstacles, but, God, I pray that, Holy Spirit, you'd get big in us 
and we would get confident in you and we would go through the obstacles. We would refuse to bend. We would refuse to allow the infection of, destruction, of, of discouragement to keep us away from what you're doing. But Lord, instead, we look at you and we say, Lord, be beside me. Here is your word. Be it unto me as you say. Lord, you will deal with the obstacle, but I will continue towards your promise. I pray, Lord, that everyone here would be bold as a witness for the purposes of Christ, that Jesus, you would receive the reward for your suffering, and that your kingdom come, and that your will be done. Be of good cheer. You are his witnesses. If you guys need prayer, come on up. We've got people to pray for you.